Sasha. Hey, Courtney. What do you call a duck that's been bitten by a vampire? I don't know, but... Count Quackula. It's Spoop Hour. paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two halloweenies this is sasha this is courtney it didn't take me four tries to get that joke right it didn't and i of course didn't know that that take was going to be the good one so i was like that that (laughs) instead of what so anyway good enough find us doing bad transylvanian accents on Uh, the internet uh, uh. at spoop hour on twitter and instagram and write to us about whatever (laughs) <laughs> spoopower at gmail.com <laughs> who's your favorite vampire <laughs> what are your thoughts on twilight what about true blood we i just finished true book blood. one of breaking dawn this morning because breaking dawn is broken up into books because it's so goddamn long mm-hmm. and oh man i forgot it goes real heavy-handed with the abortion talk <laughs> uh, great so if you back us on Patreon, soon you will hear me screaming at Sasha about this first part of Breaking Dawn. And oh boy, do I have some stuff to scream at do you. We have, yeah, I, my work has been crazy, but I do look forward to the day that Courtney gets to unleash all of this Twilight nonsense on me. Yeah, it's always you just a good name time. a time and a place, sunshine. Yeah, I it, am locked and loaded. <laughs> it is always a good time. So yeah, back us on Patreon if you want to hear that. We did post yeah. a preview of it, episode one, um, we a few weeks back for everyone to hear. So if you want more of that, we have like seven episodes of it, and it's just going to keep going yep. because this last book is long. <laughs> yep, and then there's a fifth book now. Yep. And then maybe I'm less mad about the concept of that novella now. Oh, so good. maybe I'll read that novella too. We don't I know. still, like, now that I understand the title of the novella, I'm like, yeah. oh, that's a bummer. It is <laughs> <So> a bummer. <laughs> find out why it's a bummer by backing us on Patreon for $3 a month. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, gosh. Did anything spooky happen to you this week? I turned 30. No. <laughs> Welcome to the coven, bitch. Yeah, I am now part of the old people coven. My favorite, my favorite thing is, like... One, all of the Spoop Hour people, listeners, and pod friends who wished me happy birthday and, like, welcomed me into the old people coven. Old but then also, coven. like, at work, like, people don't listen to my podcast, but, sure. like, a lot of my friends who are in their 30s were like, welcome to the club. And I was like, great. <laughs> so everyone yeah. welcomed me with open arms. So welcome I am now a withered old crone. I'm very excited yeah. about it. Withered old crones are some really happy, nice people in yeah. my experience. Yeah. So... You I'm, know, very, welcome I'm very, aboard. I'm very pleased. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun time. <laughs> yeah. But did anything actually spooky happen to me? Oh, no, not, not really. I, I will say like in terms of like Halloween prep and stuff, I got Halloween themed collars for my pets and Yay! Mona did not fight me on putting her little, it's, it's got a bow tie. It's purple. It has pumpkins oh, on it. Cute. Um, and yeah. Yuna's I need to put on, I need to put her dog tag on, but I also got her a purple one with like ghosts and pumpkins nice. and I also ordered her one that has like fall leaves and turkeys for November. So cute. yeah, I've just, yeah. I've already told Zelda she's in her Halloween collar at least till Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then I have a kind of Christmas. It's not like an explicitly Christmassy one, but it's like a dark green and it has gold swirls on it. So Ooh, it looks Christmassy. Yeah. So we'll switch for Christmas, but it's yeah. going to be Halloween for at least another month for me. Yeah. Since I just got it this week, I was like, oh, oh yeah. Well, like Mona can keep hers on for a while. I also have a black yeah. one with silver stars. That's also really nice. So I might switch yeah. to that one next. But yeah, I just, yeah, birthday was good. Yay. Work is a lot because it's all online teaching and everything is like two times harder than it mm-hmm. was before when it was regular teaching. 
Right. But I'm hanging in there. Yeah. And also, I guess, like, the other spooky thing is, like, you know, the Bernstein, Bernstein effect, right? Just, like, as I was doing my research today, (laughs) the number of things that I forgot existed in vampire media, (laughs) just because, like, (laughs) even though it was, like, a really big thing, Mm -hmm. like, big pop culture phenomenon, there's just, like, so much stuff now, just, like, so many things. Yeah. And, like, it's very easy to forget that, like, oh, that show was a show that was on. (laughs) Or that was a thing that existed. So, yeah. So I guess the spooky thing is things that exist that I forgot existed. (laughs) How about you, fellow withered old crone? I'm a withered old crone, but when you listened last week, I was still a withered old crone. I hinted at some (laughs) scary shit last week. We're all fine, but we had a known COVID exposure in my household, so we were on lockdown, so that's why I was in a weird place last week, but we all tested negative. We're now out of our state-mandated quarantine times, so we're all good. I celebrated my birthday this past weekend. I went on a very spooky hayride at Cox Farms if you're in Northern Virginia. Uh, It's not spooky at all. It was very silly. The spooky hayride was not spooky because... I mean, the spookiest thing about the hayride was this panda, which epitomizes my 2020 mood. Like, this is a panda that has seen some shit. That's a panda that's seen some shit. He's just like, I cannot believe... And then this pumpkin, which is also very relatable. Oh, that's a very relatable pumpkin. Yeah, oh, yeah so we'll the post hayride is now in cars because they can't have people on the hayrides altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was in preschool, I went on a field trip to Cox Farm, and... Yeah. I spent the entire time fighting with a boy named Brandon on the hayride, Ugh. and I missed the entire thing. But no. then the next year, I went on the hayride with my parents, and I cried the entire time. So it was probably <laughs> good that Brandon and I were fighting the whole time. <laughs> I love Cox I mean, Farm. I'm glad they were still able to do Halloween stuff. Yeah, ah. they also had a bunch of skeletons on, like, farm equipment. I bought... <laughs> A thing of apple butter that turned out to be a pint of apple butter. Ooh. I was expecting, you know how apple butter usually comes in like the little baby jar? The little baby jars, yeah. And so like I posted to my baking group, I'm like, does anybody have a good recipe for like a crusty bread that I can smear apple butter on? And then I got the pint of apple butter and I'm like, oh, I'm glad everyone responded to this with recipes for like apple pie snickerdoodles because there's no way I can just eat this entire jar just smearing uh, it on bread yeah. because it is. It's a hefty boy. It's we also got boy. some apple cider donuts. I have some regular apple cider. I'm going to be eating very well. Yay! That's one thing. There was also last week, I think it was Friday, actually, I went downstairs because I ordered myself a birthday cake, Mm -hmm. and I was putting it in our downstairs fridge. And, you know, when you come out of the utility room, you can see down into the basement. Yep, and it's all spooky and dark down there if the lights aren't on. It's all spooky and dark down there if the lights aren't on. And there was a spider the size of my hand. And I stood there in front of the utility room door and I stared at it for like a good 10 seconds, just like, hmm. And then I like calmly went upstairs to my room and I was like, well, there are some options here. So I messaged Mysterious Third Roommate and I'm like, I think there is a giant spider in the basement. Do you feel like dealing with it, or should I just forget that I saw it? So, Mysterious Third Roommate's like, I'm on it. Goes downstairs. Texts me. And she goes, I didn't see it. I saw this upside-down dead beetle. Is that what you saw? Because it kind of looked spidery from a distance. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it was, like, a spider the size of my hand. Like, I remember how the legs look, and I remember the size of the body. Pretty sure it was a wolf spider. I don't think that would be a beetle. And she's like, oh, well, I'll check again in a couple hours. We'll see. And I'm like, The size of your hand is very large. It's I mean, very you large, have, yeah. yeah. I you have, have short have fingers, pretty, but you do have mm-hmm. a large palm. Yeah, and that's not the size you want a spider to be. Like, no. even if you had small hands, that's still not a great size for a spider. Uh-uh. And so then, you know, I'm back to work and back to work, and a couple hours goes by, and then Mysterious Third Roommate texts me, and she goes, so the spider was definitely a spider, and I found it this time. Oh. <laughs> but she got it outside and apparently took pictures of it that she did not show me and that I don't oh, care to look at. I so, want to see. Yeah, you should contact Mysterious Third Roommate oh. about it. <laughs> Amazing. She's yeah. like, I, I can't tweet it. And then... <laughs> I, had, I had a spider incident, too, last week that I just remembered. Oh, but no. it was a spider the size of, like, a medicine bottle lid. Oh, um, that's and still too big. And it scuttled across our... It scuttled across our couch. Like, um, we have a we have a L-shaped couch, and it yeah. got on the L, the bottom part of the L, and just scuttled by. And I looked at John, and or Jack, I don't know, I call him John Jack different times. Anyway, I, call, <laughs> Whoever I, my, I called my husband, 
That and, guy. Because um, he saw it, too. And I was like, what do we do? And he was like, well, it's gone now. Let's forget to happen. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that I was going to be when Mysterious Third Roommate couldn't find it. I was like, I mean, realistically, when's the next time I have to go in the basement? <laughs> right. I was just like, we're just going to pretend we didn't see it. One of the pets will probably eat it. Like, I'm. That was my other thing. I was yeah. like, it's so big, it could fuck up a cat. Like, <laughs> oh, God. Like, I don't think wolf spiders do stuff to pets, but no. I, you know, it was big and I didn't like it. And then finally, I have been living out the raven, but instead of a raven rapping, <laughs> rapping at my chamber door, it has been some. All of our fire alarms, their batteries died. Oh. Like, sim- like one right after the it's other. It's kind of like the light bulb effect where one light mm-hmm. bulb goes, then all of the light bulbs go. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently we have like seven fucking smoke alarms in this house and every single one has been cheap, cheap, cheaping at my chamber door. It's ah. been driving me insane. And I think I get it. And then we're out of nine volt batteries and I'm like, this is probably the one that's cheaping. And then it's another fucking one. And yeah. oh my God. So that's that been my week. Happened to us a few weeks ago where we thought one in our kitchen was going off mm-hmm. or it wasn't really our kitchen. It's our dining room. Um, was going off because the battery was low. But as it turned out, the air purifier that we had oh. was ionizing air particles. And the smoke detector is like an ionized particle detector. Oh. And so even though there was no fire, it was detecting the ionized particles. So we just had to take that bad boy down. <laughs> we still have like six other fire detectors in our tiny house, but yeah. it's just not in the path of the ionizing air purifier. Yeah. At this point, we probably have like four non-cheaping smoke yeah. alarms, and, and then also I guess it a wasn't cheaping. It was like actually going off, and we were oh, like, God, "We can't that's have this because our dog is scared." Oh, yeah, yeah. So the it, cheaping was mostly just annoying because like yeah. it would happen, and I'd be like, "Did I just hear the cheeping again, or is my brain so used well, to hearing the cheeping now that I fixed it that I'm?" imagining the cheaping it's kind of also like you know when you have a cricket on in your house right yes and instead of and the rap like, rap rapping on your chamber door it's just like cricket 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 yeah <laughs> but it would just go cheap and i'm like was that what i think it was and i'd like charge out in the hallway and i'd listen and nothing would happen and then quote the fire alarm cheap <laughs> i'm like fuck anyway but then eventually it becomes just like quote the fire alarm hey fuck you <laughs> right yeah, that's and then you're just like yeah. damn it <laughs> <laughs> What are we talking about this week? We are talking about vampires and what they are and if they know stuff and do they know things. Let's find out. Let's find out. Yep, that's that's it. (laughs) And my research is very bare minimum, very bare bones. I wanted to do vampires in pop culture. And so I searched just like vampires in pop culture. Folks, there is an entire Wikipedia page with subpages. So there's yeah, more. Yeah, there's like a gajillion. Yeah. If you go to Vampires in Pop Culture, it gives you the introduction. Then it gives you gaming, main article, vampires and games, uh, notable, <laughs> training, tabletop games, trading card games, video games. And then there's like a whole other <laughs> list called list of vampire video games. So not just vampire <laughs> games, but vampires in video games. Video games, yeah. Then there's uh, yeah manga, music, Within music's artists' songs. Did you know? Did you know Total Eclipse of the Heart was originally written as a vampire love song? Well, I know it's going on our endless Halloween right. playlist. Yeah. There's just like, if you <laughs> go to that section, you'll find songs to add to our, our playlist, including stuff about like, yeah, their music video is about vampires, but nothing in the song is about vampires. And I'm like, ah, yes, just like. <laughs> so, like the Backstreet Boys. The Backstreet Boys. Everybody, Backstreet's back. <laughs> Paintings, television, but they definitely had Vampirina, a Disney Junior's original series. Yay! And then, yeah, just like a bunch of different other vampire references. So they're like, here are other things that are not called vampires, but basically function like blood-sucking people. Well, it's funny you should say that, because I wanted to do the history of vampires. Yes! And I was like, I should be able to do a comprehensive history of vampires in a half hour of this podcast. And then I open up, like... History of vampires, and then I get to the Wikipedia page list of vampires by region, and then like each region, it's like vampires in ancient Greece, vampires in modern Greece, vampires, in, and like oh my god, yeah, we could do a thirteen-part series on vampires and still not have covered everything. Just found at the very bottom of the article. See also list <laughs> of god fictional vampires. So, <laughs> as though so. 
<laughs> so I guess like we have to go into this like when you're about to talk about the history, and I'm going to talk about pop yeah. culture ones, a few pop culture ones later. Maybe we can a do a multi-part series of vampires, so I can talk about like other vampires. Like, oh yeah, here like are lesser I, known vampires I had never heard of. Yeah, like but, there's a there's a vampire goddess queen in Egypt. Yeah, and I no, didn't have time for her. I, yeah, when you sent me like other options, I was like, I'm sorry, I can't do those, right? Because yeah, I, I, already... I was like listing out, I'm like, okay, I have to do this, I have to do this in order to tell a comprehensive story. I'll also do this and this and this and this. And then I was like, I don't have room for, I think her name's Sekhmet. And I'm like, I yeah. don't have room for you. I'm so sorry. And then there were all these other like little, there'd be like a throwaway where it's like, in Japan, such and such vampire, such and such. And I'm like, I, can't, I don't have time yeah. for you. <laughs> so it's crazy like how big vampires are. But when I saw this list of fictional vampires, Courtney... Are vampires real? No. No. So all of these are fictional vampires. However, vampires figure into, like, folklore and cultures across the world. So, like, they're real in that they're real to us. (laughs) But... I guess we should, like, get into it. Let's get into it. We're going to be here for four years. We really are. Still not over... Like, I also... I had grand designs. I was like, I'm going to go into, like, historical cures for vampires and how to repel vampires and what's going on with this, this, that. And I just... I don't... I can't, because bananas. So, are you ready to go over a very basic overview of vampire lore that's still going to take me, like, two years to tell you about? Let's do it. All right. So... The concept of vampires, as their prevalence implies, this has existed for centuries. The word vampire has only been in common use for a couple of centuries. So, like, we've known about, like, stuff drinking blood and eating flesh for, like, millennia, basically. But the word vampire is much, much newer. In fact, it used to be that the perceptions of demons, spirits, and even the devil himself more closely resembled what we call a vampire today— And this was just basically your catch-all for any kind of blood drinker and flesh eater. So the devil was believed to feast on flesh and drink blood. And so nobody thought to have the term vampire because this, if if it was a demon, it's going to be drinking blood. It's going to be eating babies. It's going to be doing this, this, that, and the other thing. In Mesopotamia, which we all know, Fertile Crescent, Cradle of Civilization, super, super, super old-timey, We see some of the earliest representation of these blood drinkers. Chief among them is Lilitu from Babylonian lore. So Lilitu was a mythological figure in Sumerian folklore where she was, quote, a beautiful maiden who was tragically infertile, and I put in my notes, and therefore unworthy of time or attention. (laughs) (laughs) In most depictions, Lilitu also had bird feet, which basically, like, I didn't get into it because I... I don't have a bazillion years. Sure. It's it's a holdout from, like, other spooky goddesses in Mesopotamian culture. They were like, yeah, and she's got bird feet. But she's still, like, super hot. She's just also, she's got bird feet, too. But she also has bird feet. But she also has bird feet. It's fine. Who knew? Lily, too, earned a reputation as a vampire harlot <laughs> in Wikipedia's <laughs> words. Wikipedia called her a vampire and a harlot. And I'm like, well, there's a title. So... Oh, by the way, all of this history comes from Wikipedia, history.com, lifescience.com, thoughtcatalog.com, theconversation.com, and blog.nli.org.li. So, anyway, this vampire harlot, hot AF, she would claim a mortal man as a lover and never allow him to leave until she had been sated, which presumably means he dies, because she has to (laughs) get it done, Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. and (laughs) you can't let him leave when the D is too good. Can't let him leave. Lily too maintained her sexy vampire energy by feasting on the blood of babies and their mothers, a trait she inherited from the Babylonian goddess Lamashtu. Lamashtu also was said to closely watch pregnant women and wait for them to go into labor so she could snatch the very fresh baby and feast on it. Basically, a lot of the early depictions of vampires have to do with children getting eaten and children dying. Oh, great. So it's a fun time. Lilithu was then folded into Judeo-Christian lore as Lilith, the first wife of Adam, of Adam and Eve fame. Oh. Now, I believe I've mentioned I was raised Catholic. I thought I knew a little little something-something. I knew Lilith was Adam's first wife in some depictions. I did not know very much about her. I for sure did not know she was a vampire. So... I did not either. And, I mean... (laughs) As someone who's not, like, a Christian or anything like that. But uh, I thought I would have heard that at some point. Well, and here's the other thing. Like, 
I, I, you know, I did CCD Sunday school, all of that for a little bit when I was little before I kind of stopped being actively Catholic. But in all of that, we like never touched on Lilith. It was just kind of like, and then there was Lilith. And, and then there, there was Lilith. Lilith. It's fine. And so what I learned is Lilith kind of did nothing wrong oh. because in this folklore, Lilith was made of the same stuff as Adam. So in the Hebrew Bible, it's clay. Yeah. Like God makes Adam out of clay. God makes Lilith out of clay. But unlike Eve, who is Adam's second wife, Lilith did not enjoy being told what to do from the get-go. This makes sense when you consider she was made of literally the same stuff as Adam. So, yeah. like, how ridiculous is it that it's like, and you're inferior to him. Right. Don't ask why. You're made out of the same stuff, but he's your boss. So, toodles. Like, what? Lilith knows what's up. Yeah. And yeah. when confronted and told she needed to be Adam's subordinate, and in one <laughs> version of it, it's because she tried to be on top during sex. Oh. <laughs> and God was like, no, 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 you need to be Adam's subordinate. And Lilith was like, what if I don't, though? And then Semi self-banished slash Semi was kicked out of the Garden of Eden. God was like, you can stay if you're going to be chill and subordinate. And she was like, I don't want to, so I'll just peace out, I guess. I just can't, sorry, I... As someone, again, who wasn't raised religious, it's just, like, the lesson we're supposed to be getting from this is, so you must be subordinate. And it's like, (laughs) no, like, it sounds like Lilith is having a pretty, it's, like, full of confidence. Yeah. She's crushing it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why would... She's doing what she wants. Yeah. What? Living her best life. So, she's now banished from the Garden of Eden. She's out in the wilds. And she meets and marries the king of the demons, thus becoming the queen of the demons. Ah. See, she needs to become a queen because she got to do whatever she wanted. Yeah, and she's presumably independent and, like, doesn't have to be subservient to anybody, whatever. Sure. In her new role with her new hubby, though, Lilith was obviously not in the good book, God-wise. Uh-huh. So a punishment was laid against her. Every day, 100 of her newborn demon sons would die. Lilith did not take this great. No. Admittedly, I was team Lilith up till this point. This is maybe not a great response. In retaliation, she swore she would eat the children of Adam and Eve, so basically any human child, and would feast on their blood and rend the flesh from their bones. I mean, I get it. Right. But I wouldn't do it. No, like, maybe don't. But, like, we get it, girl. But I would be very mad and try to find some way to get revenge in a less bloody way. In a less eating babies way. (laughs) I don't do well with blood. (laughs) Right. So, this is especially considered heinous in Hebrew law, as the worst crime you can commit was eating human flesh And so customs were developed to ward Lilith away from newborn babies. Protective amulets could be hung from cribs and a picture of three angels who were originally sent to reason with Lilith and get her back in the Garden of Eden could be hung above cribs and Lilith would stay away because there is a version of the lore where these three angels find Lilith. They're like, here's the deal, whatever. And Lilith is like, no, I'm good here. It's fine. But wherever I see you three, I agree not to do any harm. So you hang the picture of the angels. She sees them and she's like, never mind. I will leave this baby be. So she knows like where, like it's not her turf, basically. Yeah, there's like a line. So this, she, I yeah. think this is kind of the roots of like where vampires can't get into like religious stuff, like crosses uh, ward them off and stuff like that. Like this picture of three angels and protective amulets would. But I did not have time to follow that thread. Yeah. I was going <laughs> to so, say can't be, can't come in if unless you're invited yeah, and there's, like, a lot of... We, we're going to have to do a part two. Maybe not next week, but sometime. At some point, yeah. Yeah. It, we'll decide if we want to do it next week or not. But there's, like, a whole... I kept seeing, like, throwaway references to don't come in unless you're invited was to do this thing and this thing and this... And it all, like, ties into, like, folklore lessons. Well, like, it, even as you're explaining this, I'm like, oh, wait. Like, I just watched that vampire movie, Vampires vs. the Bronx. Mm-hmm. And even that, it, like, takes basically all of these different elements plus, like, religion mm-hmm. <laughs> because the kids are Catholic or, like, they're forced to go to Catholic Mass with their families because it's the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, there's so much that you just said that I was like, oh, yeah, that was in that movie. That was in that mm-hmm. movie. 
Yeah, like the roots of like a lot of our modern vampire lore run <laughs> really deep. Wow. Anyway, so that's one way to ward off Lilith. Boys are thought to be at risk of Lilith's wrath up until the ninth day after they are born, while girls have a full 20 days of watching out for her after birth. Wow. And historically, Lilith was blamed for crib death and SIDS, like sudden infant death syndrome. Because they were like, oh, this is part of her vow to consume and destroy human children. So really, uh, what I learned is the very, very earliest roots of vampire lore were a way to explain why so many children would just die. Realistically, it's because we didn't have medicine. We didn't have any way to track or prevent disease. And so a lot of kids would die because they're young and their immune systems aren't very strong Mm -hmm. and whatever. But when you can't say, oh, well, this baby got, you know smallpox and died you say lilith did it that's why my baby's dead so Mm. also just a fun aside what else is credited to lilith wet dreams Ah! (laughs) (laughs) remember lilith was super sexy despite her sometimes bird feet and in old 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 timey folklore nocturnal emissions were how little baby demons were made so like if you woke up having had a wet dream it was like oh lilith was here harvesting my seed to make little baby demons sorry just like she's sexy despite her chick sometimes chicken feet it's yep. just like kills me and like, she's harvesting seeds it, like if baba yaga's hot or like a sex symbol that's that's a, lilith. That's a lot yeah. Baba Yaga's hut was a sex symbol. <laughs> so from Mesopotamia, we're going to hop over to ancient Greece and follow the vampire Ooh. lore. There it gets folded in with some witch lore to create Empusa and Lamia, who are two spooky ladies who like to eat children and seduce men. I know Lamia. Not- Yay. Because of the Shin Megami Tensei Persona series. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then you're going to love hearing more about her. So Lamia, the more vampire of the two, Mm -hmm. ultimately becomes a catch-all term for demons. But it started out as a hot lady who, like all hot ladies of ancient Greece, boned Zeus. Yep. It's just what you did. That's that's only one of the three things you could do in ancient Greece. It was write poetry, form governments, and bone Zeus. Yep. That's it. Yeah. And so she was like, yeah, I'll bone Zeus. I don't feel like forming a government, and I'm over poetry. When Hera found out about this impropriety, she finally left Zeus for good and lived as a happy single goddess. JK, JK. Yeah, I was like, that that sounds (laughs) fake. Hera is finally well-rounded. She gets some much-needed therapy. She Uh, learns to find value in herself and to blame her husband for his wrongdoings and not his affair partners. Now, sadly, instead, she actually found Lamia, killed all her children, and ah. cursed her with an inability to sleep so that she would be haunted by thoughts of her dead children constantly. That's fucked up. Yeah. Like... That's... like Damn, girl. Like, compared to the, what they were making Lilith do, or, like, <laughs> like Lilith was like, yeah, I'm going to eat all of these babies because they... Because you're killing a hundred of my children, kids a day. Right? This is, like... No. <laughs> Fuck, yeah. It's like, Fuck. um, I'm sorry your husband wanted to bone me, and, you know, I'm a hot human lady, and Why that's what Why isn't Hera do. doing that to Zeus? Right? What? She never directs the anger where the anger should be directed, which is at her two-time and crappy husband, Zeus. God anyway, damn it, Hera. <laughs> shockingly, this drove Lamia mad, and yeah? she became a half-snake, half-human monster who hunted and killed the children of others. Perhaps in an attempt to get her to be less monstery, Zeus was like, okay, you can't sleep, so I'll give you the ability to remove your eyes. Just, like, plop them out of your head, and then you can get a rest. But instead, this just gave her a horrifying new tool to torture children with. Because imagine you're being chased by a half-human, half-snake, and it throws its eyes at you. <laughs> like, what the ah, fuck? That's yeah. like... That just, sorry, that just reminds me of that TikTok where the girl is, like, reading comments and they say, oh, you have a lazy eye. And she goes, oh, I have a lazy eye. I'm not going to stand for that. Like, my eyes need to be, you know, seeing 100% of the time. If it's lazy, I'm going to punish it. And she popped her eyeball out <laughs> because it was a glass eye. <laughs> yeah, basically that, but with her real eyes, like her, her human non-glass eyes. And also, she's a half-snake lady who doesn't sleep and is I mad all the time. I had a student named Lamia a few oh, years no. ago. She was I mean, very, she was pretty nice. Yeah, she was in. Oh, that's good. She was in my, I, she was actually, I had her in ninth grade and I had her in IB 12th grade. She was a nice person. 
I'm Tell her to stay that away Lamia from Zeus. Was a uh, like a, di- a name from a different part of the world, <laughs> and maybe <laughs> based on this demon, or I mean, that she's she, her parents named her that so she'd be tough like a demon. There you go. Would fuck or maybe her. her parents named her that because she started out like super nice and pretty and chill, and then you know some stuff happened. It's not important. What? Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh no. So, Lamia's fellow sexy vampire lady in ancient Greek lore was Empusa. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I didn't look it up. I'm very sorry. So, Empusa was a shape-shifting follower of the goddess Hecate, which I am fairly confident I'm saying wrong, but that's how they say it on Buffy, so. Okay, yeah, it's spelled like Hecate, but Yeah, but I think it's Hecate. I think Buffy did their research on that one, but I don't know. Heckity doo da. Anyway, Empusa had a copper leg because a. L- and <laughs> so here's the crazy part. She had a copper leg, but she also sometimes is depicted to have like 11 other legs, including an ox leg, a chicken leg, a goat leg, like every possible. Like, so she's got one copper leg and then just like a myriad of other random creature legs. She's Ooh. got a lot going on in the leg reason. But she has an insatiable appetite for young men, both sexually and literally. Mmm. She would seduce wayward young men who crossed her path, and once she had her way with them, she would drink their blood and finish off the meal with their bodies. That's cool. Right? So you can see early on, like, you're getting these roots of, like, sexy, sexy vampires who are feasting on our hot young men. Yeah. And it's all these crazy perverted ladies who enjoy sex, and God knows we can't allow that, so, you know. Hopping ancient folklores again, we're going to go ahead and... Pop over to ancient India, who has a vampire variation called a Vetala, which is a ghoul that inhabits corpses and wanders cemeteries, waiting for unsuspecting people to wander through. Hmm. This I found interesting because this is the most Buffy-like depiction of vampires, because in Buffy, you're bitten by a vampire and then a demon takes the place of your soul. And this is kind of like the, the corpse itself mm-hmm. isn't, it has no affiliation with the demon. It's just, it's just a corpse that happenstance oops, a demon targeted it. So the demon right. hops in. And then while the demon is in the corpse, the corpse doesn't decay. The corpse walks around and can cause chaos. Like it moves around like it's still alive, but it's it's frozen in time, essentially. Okay. Like many of the other early vampires, Vitalas liked to target and kill children. So this is another one where it's like children avoid strange people and also sometimes kids die. So yeah. Also, they are adept at black magic and are frequently desired by sorcerers as a way of increasing their power. So, like, oh. sorcerers would seek them out because if you could trap them, you could use them as a slave forever because they're never going to die. Their strength is mm. never going to wane. They're basically unstoppable. Yeah. The only way to get rid of a Vitala if it is possessed a loved one's body is to perform proper burial rites, which banishes the demon and restores the corpse to its rest. Mm. So, it, it usually hangs out in... It's kind of like an above-ground cemetery. Yeah. So it just hops into the body there, and so you have to, like, fully inter the body and do this whole thing. Okay. So, these are the super ancient roots. Very quick overview of vampirism. There's a lot more. (laughs) So when we do our inevitable part two of vampires, there's so much more. There's so much more. So, this is the basics of why vampires drink blood why they eat flesh but when did we start calling things that drink blood and eat flesh vampires in english oh the first printed appearance of the word vampire spelled with the fancy person's y in it was in 1734 where it appeared in an anglo-saxon poem called the vampire of the fens hmm. then came the vampire and this this genuinely made me laugh out loud when i read it the Vampire was the first full work of fiction to center on vampires. So it wasn't Dracula, okay. it was this. Is this, okay. It was actually written by John Polidori, who was Lord Byron's doctor, but it was originally miscredited to Lord Byron himself. What I find hilarious is John Polidori, again, Lord Byron's literal doctor, based the vampire off of Lord Byron. That book wasn't supposed to be published, right? No. Yeah. It was, I believe it was accidentally published, and yeah. that's why it got credited to Byron. Yeah. He, it wasn't supposed to be published. It was published against his wishes. He was just writing vampire fan fiction about, about his, patient, his patient, Lord Byron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who was, like, foxy, and a lot of ladies dug him. Yeah. And he did bring a bear to his college dorm because they only banned hunting dogs, and he was mad about it. Like, you know, I get it, but, like... Maybe if you're a doctor, you, like, lock up your patient fanfic, you know? Yeah. yeah. Keep that shit Don't to yourself. That shit 
Yeah, don't let that shit out. <laughs> yeah, don't don't publish that shit. Anyway, in this early depiction, and here's here's kind of the funny part. So in this early depiction, based on what I could read, I believe Polidori described the vampire not as a sleek and sexy vampire like the sexy ladies of yore and ultimately the future because now we're like vampires are sexy instead it was a soft bag of blood with red eyes and a snout to snort blood with (laughs) i love it i recently went through some shit with my doctor and i'm in the market for a new doctor but i would be very surprised if even all of my conflicts with this doctor if she wrote fanfic about me, describing me as a soft bag of blood with red eyes and a snout to snort blood with. Right. Be like, um... Excuse me? Also, yeah. the snorting blood snout I thought was interesting because that, that makes it look more like a vampire bat. So yeah. now I'm wondering, like, is that where the bat connection comes in? Because, like, right. the vampire bat has that little snooty snoot. I don't know. Hmm. Someday I will, but not today. Today's not that day. Yeah, so if the vampire, who again is a soft bag of blood and skin, <laughs> could survive for 40 days as this, like, jello, evil jello bag, it would then become a much stronger creature with bones and a body that was basically impossible to kill. So if it could make it through the 40 days as a Ziploc baggie full of jello. I'm a Ziploc baggie full of jello. And I crave human blood. <laughs> and I crave human blood. Much like witches, vampires have been the subject of persecution through several periods of history. In the 1600s, female vampires were blamed for spreading plague. Of course it's female vampires, because what else do we blame stuff on other than the women and people who look different than white people? Right. <sighs> Especially because plague victims had sores around their mouth, which would give them a bloody appearance. If somebody had the plague, it'd be like, oh, a lady with a bloody mouth. Clearly, she's been feasting on somebody. She's a vampire killer. And it's like, no, she just has the plague. Like, this is... She like, just happens. straight up has the plague. Yeah. If a woman died of plague but was suspected of being a vampire, her body would be dug up and a brick would be shoved in her mouth to keep her from wandering the ranks of the living and spreading disease. And, like, the reason why we know this is because we have found bodies, you know, in standard, like, excavating archaeological uh-huh. digs where, like, their jaw is dislocated and they have a fucking brick shoved in there. Which is really terrifying to open that one up, isn't it? Yeah. Like, Surprise! But, I mean, from what I could tell, they mostly did this after the person had died, so it could have been worse. It could have been but worse. could have been worse. Anyway, interestingly, another method to stop the vampire from wandering around and spreading the plague was to stake them. And this is where we get the modern kill of vampires being a stake through the heart. In the early days of the lore, this wasn't to kill the vampire, like it wasn't a way to get them to stop that way. It was, they targeted the chest and they speared them there because it would pin them to the ground and keep them from being able to, like, crawl out of their grave and wander around and cause problems. So it was literally like we stake fences. It was staking them so they could not go on walkabouts. That's (laughs) really funny. Because it's like, these are people who died of plague. They're already dead. And they're like, yeah, but we're going to spear them. And then he's not coming back. What if they wanted to go for a walk? It's like, we need to make sure they can't do that. Yeah, exactly. And, like, the burying at Crossroads, this is where all of these things were, like, to keep them from coming back from the dead. Yeah. But they weren't intended to, like, fully kill them. It was just intended to, like, stop them. So presumably the vampire would wake up, be like, oh, I guess I'm stuck to the ground, and then just, like, lay there for a little bit. Oh, my God. Very silly. Bizarrely, but I guess unsurprisingly, a lot of the folklore symptoms of vampirism are linked to actual disease outbreaks. One such disease outbreak, rabies. Rabies spreads via bite, often with animals like bats and other rodents. It can cause sensitivity to light and strong flavors like garlic, and in extreme cases, can stain your teeth to maybe make it look like you've been drinking blood. Another is hematodipsia, which is a sexual thirst for blood. And I put in my notes, not to yuck anybody's yum, but but yikes. No, thank you. No, thank you. People with anemia were thought to be the victims of a vampire because they didn't have good blood and they were very weak and pale and sickly looking. So Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, well, clearly a vampire's been eating you. One notable disease victim accused of vampirism, and this is like, this is like the big American case from the 1800s. This is Mercy Brown, who lived in Rhode Island in the late 1800s. Mercy suffered from tuberculosis and it ultimately led to her death in January, remember January, at the age of 19. Remember January in Rhode Island. Okay, Rhode Island. Because nobody else in the community did and it would have helped. 
Ah. Her father, George Brown, who was presumably distraught at her death, presumably only became worse after the community heard about what happened. You see, Mercy hadn't been the first or even the second person, but the third person in her family to die of tuberculosis, then called consumption and often labeled a mystery illness, a wasting disease that they didn't understand. Yeah. The prevalence of it amongst her family had the town gossip mill churning. After all, so many deaths couldn't be happenstance. It had to be undead activity. Someone Ah. in the Brown family was coming back from the dead and making the other members of the family sick. So poor George Brown, mourning his wife and two of his daughters, was persuaded to exhume the three bodies to examine for signs of vampire activity. Oh no. Body number one was his wife, Mary Eliza. She was first out of the ground, but showed normal signs of decomposition. So they were like, okay, it's clearly not her because one thing we know about vampires, no decomp. Then came Mary Olive, the eldest daughter, but once again, she was decomposing like normal. Also worth noting is these two women died before Mercy did. Oh. And then it was Mercy's turn. So when they dug Mercy's body back up, it wasn't showing signs of decomp. In fact, she looked well-preserved and even still had blood in her heart. Aha, cried the townspeople, Mercy is a vampire. But And I put up my notes. Remember what time of year it was yeah. and where it was? It's, nobody was like, hmm, we didn't actually bury her in the ground. We put her in a holding crypt in fucking January in Rhode Island. Yeah. She's probably frozen solid. Of course she's not decomposing. No. She's just frozen. She's yeah, cold. She's just but they were like, a popsicle. Yeah, she's just a popsicle. And they were like, that's no popsicle. That's a vampire. Uh, do they so take off her George head Brown, and stake her? Mm, I'm so worried. I'm so worried. You it's, keep saying poor George Brown and it's, poor Mercy. It's worse. So poor George Brown, who still had one living child. Remember, three people in his family has died. He's got one kid left, his son Edwin, who is also sick with tuberculosis. So George Brown is shocked, and he's like, I can't believe my daughter's a fucking vampire, but everybody seems so sure, so okay. And so the townspeople were like, here's what we're going to do. We have to save your son's life. There's only one way to do it. And so they removed Mercy's heart and liver and burnt them. Oh. Then, because that's not terrible enough, they mixed those ashes with some water and gave it to Edwin as a tonic to cure his tuberculosis. No! That just makes it worse. Yeah. Shockingly, he did not get better. No. He was dead within two months. So now George Brown is the only surviving member of his family. Mercy's body was ultimately reinterred with a metal post affixing it to the ground to deter grave robbers, at least according to, I think it was Atlas Obscura said that. But I'm like, I wonder if it's to deter grave robbers and also because they wanted to stake her to the ground so she couldn't go wandering anymore. Ah! So instead of just going wow, I guess this whole family had a contagious disease and that's really sad. They were like, no, let's burn her heart and liver and feed them to her sickly younger brother. (sighs) So the final disease we're going to talk about, it's the disease that most likely influences how we still think of vampires to this day. And it's porphyria, a disease that has been around for at least a thousand years and had a semi-frequent occurrence among the nobility and royals of Europe. It is, in fact, so closely linked to vampirism that porphyria is sometimes called the vampire disease, particularly in historical accounts. Mm -hmm. So what is it? Well, porphyria is an inherited blood disorder that causes the body to produce less of the critical ingredient in hemoglobin, which is the part of the blood cells that carries oxygen from the lungs to the rest of the body. Mm -hmm. This is a very important component of blood. This is one of the main functions of blood. You need your hemoglobin. Yes. Here are symptoms of porphyria, and you're going to tell me if these sound familiar. Symptom number one, extreme sensitivity to sunlight, often causing the skin to blacken or facial features to become deformed. Ah, sounds familiar. Symptom number two, a strong reaction to foods with sulfur content that can bring on sudden and intense pain. Foods like garlic. Mmm, sounds familiar. Recession of gum tissue, which can make your teeth look like fangs, because as the tissue retreats, you see more of the tooth. And as I put in my notes, let's be real, teeth are weird looking. Can I pause on teeth for a second? 
Yep. I was gonna eat this while, but I didn't want to chew while we were recording. My friend's wife made me <laughs> some teeth cookies. I'll take a They're photo of it. Cookies. But they've got almond fangs. Oh, those are cute. Yeah, yeah. I'll take a picture of you. It's a tube. It's got almond fangs. So when you're saying the teeth, I was like, yes, I have teeth on my desk. You sure do. <laughs> vampires you guys and then the final symptom people who have an out like who who are having like a flare-up of their porphyria often have dark red urine which called caused olden days physicians and any nearby townspeople to accuse the individual of drinking blood because otherwise why would your pee be so dark would your pee be red it's not Mm -hmm. like you've got an entire body full of blood and it can accidentally end up in your (laughs) urine or in your poop Nope, it's because nope. you're drinking blood. It's because you're drinking blood. To make blood. matters worse, porphyria, before it was identified, used to be treated by encouraging the person with this mystery illness to drink animal blood to replace their quote-unquote defective blood. Oh, no. Given the sensitivity to sunlight, sufferers, many of whom now have the appearance of fangs, would wait until dark, then go out looking for animals <gasps> whose blood they could drink. But if it's the 1600s and everything is dark and terrifying and you're an ignorant townsperson and you see your neighbor sipping on a cow, you're not going to go, oh, I bet that's medically necessary and prescribed by their super shitty old timey doctor. You're going to cry for the church and vampire kill your neighbor. Oh, no. Don't vampire kill your neighbor. It wasn't until 1911 that porphyria was identified as a a classification of illnesses in its own right. So up until 1911, people were still like, hmm, hmm, that might be a vampire. And that's a quick and dirty and still quite long overview of the history of vampires. I was going to say, we still have a lot that we could talk about with regards mm-hmm. to vampires. There's so many. There's so many. There's so I many. Just, there's so many. This oh was just God. like vampire history for dummies. And I really wanted to talk about, once I read that about Porphyria, I was like, oh, that's so fucked, but also... That does sound a lot like what we think of as vampires. Yeah, that really does sound like what Yeah, we think. and like, you know, if you're in extreme pain, you're going to seem a little erratic. Yeah. And maybe not want to be around people, especially if the daylight hurts you. Yeah. And so that's maybe not going to earn you a great reputation amongst your ignorant townspeople neighbors. Yeah, it's not great. So, not great. Not great. As Courtney has sort of alluded, vampires have this very long and illustrious history a very long and sexy history mm-hmm. like you know other than the like 400 years where they were like harbingers of plague most of the time it's like super sexy yeah all the time so i'd like <laughs> to start my section on pop culture vampires and i feel like if we're going to keep doing this i'm going to have a lot more vampires to talk about and so these are just the ones <laughs> who like sort of popped into my head first <laughs> and my my resources are entertainment weekly there we go. Uh, Wikipedia, Wonderwall, Film School Rejects, and TOR.com. Anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> so I'm going to start with this quote. Vampires have had a pretty bad rep. We're not these mopey old creatures who live in castles. And while some, okay, most of our, a lot are, but there are also a lot of those who like to flat together in really small countries like New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's, I think... That's where we need to start with pop culture vampires, that some of them are your quintessential living in castles and being mopey and all of that, and others are just trying to get along with their daily life. It's true. Basically, anything that's a little bit pop culture probably has some vampire. It's like, you know, there's that rule about if something exists, there's something sexy of it. Mm -hmm. Like, there's probably also a rule that's like, if something exists, there's also a vampire version of it. (laughs) (laughs) And, and then there's an addendum to that rule, and it's like, and also it's probably sexy. And because again, vampires sexy. and sexiness, yeah. since the dawn of time, right. hand in hand. Exactly. So, though there are many creative variations and depictions of vampires, fundamentally, a vampire in pop culture is going to be defined as a being who consumes or drinks blood as a primary source of sustenance. All right, so let's start with True Blood, the show that I hey. forgot existed. <laughs> Um, even though when I was in college and it was like in its heyday, like 
people were mad about it, you know? Like, people loved yeah. it. They were, like, crazy for it. So, yeah, I watched a couple seasons of True Blood. Yeah, and it's also... I knew it wasn't great. It was just entertaining. It was entertaining. Yeah, that was, like, yeah. if Twilight is entertaining vampire shit for teenage girls and preteen girls, even though they're probably getting entertainment from it in a way that was not healthy and was just bad because Twilight books are bad. Yep. Again, Patreon, $3 a month. <laughs> Listen to us talk about why Twilight's bad. <laughs> True Blood was sort of looked at as, like, the adult version of that and, mm-hmm. like, an opportunity for adult women to swoon over vampires that aren't high schoolers. Yep. Which, again, is I very will problematic. Say, I think it's in season three or four of True Blood. I don't know. I don't remember when I stopped watching True Blood. It was right around the time this happened. But at one point, they put Alexander Skarsgård in a tight blue sweater, and whoever made that choice deserves a raise, because that was a great choice. (laughs) So True Blood has several vampires. Obviously, it's a bunch of cast of vampires, and Mm -hmm. there's a bunch, but the sort of the most popular include um, Bill Compton, um, who was made vampire during the Civil War, and he's an ageless creature determined to live as human an existence as possible. But that is difficult to accomplish when you live in a community of telepaths, shapeshifters, and other bloodsuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that Suki can read minds. Yep. Yeah. Suki. Oops. Suki. <laughs> <laughs> Alexander Skarsgård was there as Eric Northam, and his seduction t- techniques were... Very irresistible. Again, tight blue sweater. Tight blue sweater, washboard That's abs. It. Like, that I care less about. It really was about the tight, tight blue, blue sweater. sweater. Like, when me. he's wearing clothes, the clothes look really good on him. And when he's not wearing yeah. clothes, he looks really good, too. <laughs> and then, you know, there's there's also Pam Swineford de Beaufort. Beaufort. Beaufort, I think. Yeah. yeah. And per Renee Adie of Tor.com, basically, like, they, she was highlighting that, like, Pam is, like, the best vampire on that show. Ah, uh, yes, that blue sweater. He has no right. Who gave him the right? <laughs> Who? I mean, again, I hope whoever the wardrobe person put him in the blue sweater got a raise, but, like... My God, My God, man. Yeah, look at him. <laughs> Generally, he didn't do it for me, but as soon as he was in that sweater, I was like, I'm oh, listening. I'm listening. <laughs> but basically, she's described, Pam is described as this uh, character who has amazing one-liner, and she has this steadfast loyalty to Eric. And when the show got it right, it got it really right. And so again, to, by this author, she was saying that True Blood was the first show of a paranormal sort that struck her like Buffy did, because it was both lighthearted and dark and fun and disturbing all at once. And then mm-hmm. it also married Faye lore with vampire legend and the whole thing was great. <laughs> so <laughs> basically that does make, I have, there's to some degree, I do kind of want to go back and now like try to seek out True Blood because right. I think it's on Amazon I've been considering since I did my Buffy rewatch watching yeah. it as as a college student who had like zero interest in vampire stuff I just totally skipped out on it that was also when I really could not handle fake blood and oh. I, so anything that was vampire related I just presumed would have some fake blood in it or not even fake mm-hmm. blood I couldn't handle the sight of blood so so I skipped over that but now I'm like a little bit better about it so I'm like oh maybe I could watch True Blood I'm just going to go into Twilight very briefly because there's not really anything else to say about it that we haven't said in seven episodes of a podcast plus more. Just you wait until I scream at you about book one of Breaking Dawn. Just you wait. So another notable (laughs) vampire is Edward Cullen, played by Robert Pattinson. And judging by the sustained mass hysteria around the Twilight saga since like 15 years ago... I guess Edward's just going to continue to be in our hearts and minds forever and ever. He, he lives just lives in our heads. In our heads. Yep, he lives rent free. Unfortunately, although I really like Robert Pattinson. He could pay to live in our heads. Yeah, I really do like Robert Pattinson. Not Edward Cullen. I like Robert Pattinson. No. So, oh yeah, he's okay. I love that weird little trickster yeah. god. <laughs> right. <laughs> Another famous vampire notable is Count von Count. Ah, ah, ah. Ah, 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 ah. He's from Sesame Street. He is the cuddliest and softest vampire. His weakness is for numbers. 
One, one, one notable number. vampire. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> All right. So I wonder if people who aren't in the U.S. Did you have a Sesame Street culture? And if so, do you? If if not, do you understand these references, or do you think we've lost our damn minds? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I saw today someone posted like fan fiction of of Bert and Ernie, and someone yeah. in the co- replies was like, "Who are they? They're really cute. <gasps> what is this show?" Oh, so th- it happens. It happens. Yeah. We are a globalizing society, and we some are. people and don't that know Sesame, with Sesame Street. Street. Yeah, just like if I asked you if you knew what Punky Keys was, you probably won't. Then there's Alucard from Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Started out as a video game in the '90s, continues to this day. They have remakes and all of that. They also have an an- uh, anime on Netflix. But Alucard is the half-human child of Dracula with silver hair, and is promised his human mother that he would protect humanity and spends his immortal life fighting against his vampire, his father. He's oh, basically the exact opposite of Dracula. And also note that his name Alucard is Dracula spelled backwards. Oh my god. <laughs> then there's Angel, the vampire yep. with the soul, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and also the show Angel. Classic. For most of high school and a decent cu- chunk of college, Angel was the demon that haunted the Slayer, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Tall, dark, and handsome, he's the prototypical bad boy boyfriend until he experiences a moment of true happiness, and then he's your worst nightmare. So don't give it up to him on any date, basically. (laughs) James Marster was also there as the antagonist and eventual ally of the Scoobies. Yep. What was his name? Spike. Yeah, Spike. Yep. He was not the only Spike of that time period because I think there was a Spike on X-Men Evolution as well. Yeah, and I think some of Buffy overlapped with Cowboy Bebop. Oh, yeah, and then also Spike from Cowboy Bebop. Spike was yeah. just a very notable name of that time period, There was huh? a lot of spikes in yeah. the early aughts. Very, very true. <laughs> Lestat de Lioncourt and Louise Dupont Duloc from Interview with the Vampire are, are two sexy vampire men from Anne Rice's Interview with a Vampire. Unfortunately, one of them is played by Tom Cruise. Boo. Boo. And... Also, Anne Rice was put off by his casting, so, haha, Tom Cruise, <laughs> boo. Boo, even Anne Rice thinks you suck. But also, I mean, he was good in that particular role. But then Whatever. we also had Brad Pitt, who no. played Luis. So, you know, again, very campy, very quintessentially 90s movie, very sexy. The Again, this sexy vampire, they're picking male heartthrobs to play these vampires because vampires are sexy. Yeah, and Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt were at their most powerful in the early 90s. Exactly, yeah. So And so then there's also Maharet, who's another Anne Rice character from Vampire Chronicles. There are so many dude vampires, and I think she is the only female vampire on this list today. I will talk about more <laughs> female vampires in the future. But she's the only vampire in Anne Rice's world who never succumbed to the madness prevalent in the Ancient Ones, who are the vampires who were there from the very beginning. The interesting thing is, again, that Bronx ver- vampires versus the Bronx, there's, like, a young woman in that movie who definitely, like, is an ancient one, kind of like this mm-hmm. Anne Rice character, which is very, again, all vampire pop culture, I feel like, feeds into each other. All of them are yeah. all related in some way. But Maharet has tracked her human family for over six millennia, and she's been a pillar for them throughout the century, and she's the... One of the main reasons that vampires are even able to overcome the Queen of the Damned when she tries to take over the world midway through the Vampire Chronicles series. Then there's Dracula of Bram Stoker's Dracula, the 92 movie. Keanu Reeves as Jonathan Harker, hot. But Gary Oldman, (laughs) old man, Gary Oldman, (laughs) who is now an old man, but was not an old man in 1992, (laughs) let me tell you, he, uh took on Vlad the Impaler in the most movingly romantic and majestically creepy way. He is, like, the, again, another epitome of, like, a sexy heartthrob vampire man who you would like to impale you. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Damn. Then there's Benicula. But does he wear a tight blue sweater? Does he wear a tight blue sweater? No, but he does wear, he does dress like a dandy, which I like. Okay. And we'll talk about some dandy vampires in a minute. Benicula, the 1979 book. Uh, 
He's the world's cutest demon. He's a cuddly vampire who sucks the juice out of vegetables with a pair of decidedly unrabbit-like fangs. And he's from a little kid's story series. And he's also one of the most famous titles is The Howl-A-Day Inn, Bonicula mm-hmm. in the Howl-A-Day Inn, and also Bonicula meets Edgar Allan Crowe. I think I read Benicula and the Holiday Inn. Yeah. I read a couple of the Benicula books. Benicula is really cute because he sucks the juice out of vegetables. <laughs> Maybe I'll go as Benicula for non-Halloween this year. Yeah, Benicula is so cute. <laughs> so cute. All right, then we've got the actual, the most famous, Dracula or Vlad the Impaler, speaking very generally of these characters. Mm-hmm. So again... The Dracula is the one who's like the most synonymous with the word vampire. Dracula and Vlad are two different people, but since the character in Bram Stoker's Dracula was based on th- stories of Vlad the Impaler, who ruled Wallachia in the 15th century, you know, we, we're talking about them because one and the same. I was going to say, when we do our next vampire episode, yeah. we'll get into Vlad the Impaler. Vlad the Impaler, yeah. I was going to say, it's a little weird to celebrate Vlad because he murdered like 100,000 people. Yeah, but he wasn't a great dude. He wasn't a great dude, but Dracula, <laughs> he's <laughs> always going to be different. <laughs> the vampire of pop culture because he's first and foremost a character in a tragic romance who wishes for nothing more than to be loved despite what he is. So... We'll talk about Vlad the Impaler in the future, but, you know, Dracula, he's just, he's just misunderstood. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then we, uh, we're coming up on the end. Count Graf Orlok, or Nosferatu, (laughs) which is the vampire movie that launched a thousand careers. Yes, this German expressionist film from the 1920s is an unauthorized adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula, but... Max Schreck's vampire of Count Graf Orlok is not the suave artisto that Bela Lugosi, we talked about last week, would introduce a decade later. This vampire is shriveled, bald, rodent-looking, and he has razor-like talons, and he's basically... Podcasts are not a visual medium, but I've been doing the Nosferatu hands for, like, a minute and and like, you had the little, like, rodent teeth going as well. But she's, <laughs> he's basically a walking primordial nightmare. He's the original <laughs> badass, ugly-ass vampire. So Count Orlok was largely inspired by Dracula, and it has been this, like, huge literary success since 1897, but Bram Stoker Joker's estate, understandably, would not grant the rights to the book. So the director of Nosferatu was like, what if I just change some things and yeah, no one like, will notice? What if it's just a different story about a monster who's obsessed with this hot young girl? Yeah, no one's going to notice. But it's fine. Yeah, but then they did. So Bram Stoker's <laughs> heirs actually went and like sued the filmmakers for the movie. But Oops. honestly, like it hasn't like made that movie go away. Very famous to this day. Mm-hmm. This, the, you know, the darkly rimmed kind of eyeliner eyes, and ooh, he's very pointy and, the weird and ugly. pointy teeth and the big ears yeah. that make him look like a bat. Right. The hands, the Nosferatu hands. He's he's terrifying. He's not sexy like, like Gary Oldman or <laughs> Bella Lugosi. Not at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> My favorite appearance of Nosferatu is in SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, it's a good episode. <laughs> it makes no sense within the context of the rest of the episode, but no Sriracha shows. Don't up. worry about Don't it. Don't worry about it. And then finally, the last of my pop culture vampires for today are the gentlemen from What We Do in the Shadows, the 2014 Yay. film, not the more recent TV show. Vampire flatmates Viago, Vladislav, Deacon, and Peter. Basically engage in your typical vampiric shenanigans, uh, except for Peter, because he's 8,000 years old and he just lives in the basement. Peter he looks also like Nosferatu. looks like Nosferatu. He's very <laughs> much made in the image of Nosferatu. <laughs> but, you know, they do things like draw each other's appearance before they go out to clubs because they can't check their outfits in a mirror. They go, jerk off in their coffins. They go after virgins <laughs> because, to quote Vladislav, if you're going to eat a sandwich, you would enjoy it more if you knew that no one had fucked it. So, think of all the pop culture vampires out on the scene now, What We Do in the Shadows is probably my favorite because it came in a time that, like, it's post-Twilight, post- Mm -hmm. 
True Blood. Oh my god, I like, already forgot the name of that show. <laughs> you already forgot the name of the show you forgot existed yeah, moments so ago. It's it's post sexy vampires and mm-hmm. more about like what would actual vampires be doing if they were stuck in time forever and just lived with each other. And, you know, sometimes they just want to live in a small town in New Zealand and, you yeah. know, have an easy time of it. Uh, it's, like, one of my favorite movies of all time. It's October. I mean, this mm-hmm. podcast endorses it all the time. Oh, yes. I would recommend using yeah. your October, one of these spooky weekends, to watch it because it's so yep. good. Also watch the TV show. Watch the movie first, but the TV show is also very enjoyable. Yes, the TV. I've watched a few episodes of the TV show. I need to just like sit down and power through it. This TV show gets a lot of like star power. A it's lot of celebrities, really different celebrities make cameo appearances and stuff. So yeah, it's definitely a good one to hit your wagon to that isn't going to be all like, oh, sexy vampires and glittery and drama. It's a- Yeah, at one point in the What We Do in the Shadows movie, there is a new vampire who's going around telling everybody he's like that guy from Twilight. And finally, one of the other vampires goes, shut up, Nick, you're not Twilight. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that has, that's it for today's installment of Pop Culture Vampires. And Slight History of Vampires. And Slight History of Vampires. What are your your favorite pop culture vampires? Did you watch True Blood? Do you know what sweater I'm talking about? Did do you have a vampire we should talk about? Do you have a folklore vampire we should talk about? Email spoopour at gmail.com. Reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram at spoopour. We'd love to hear about your vampires in your life. Hell yeah. Yeah. So ah, We want to hear about the vampires in your life. Ah, 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 ah. Three. Three ways to reach us. Twitter, Instagram, Gmail. Ah, ah, ah. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Are you into the secret histories of exorcisms, Christmas massacres, killdozers, and concert disasters? How about haunted mansions, the Philadelphia Experiment, the Dorm of Death, or candy corn? Then you're going to love Ghost Town, a hilarious and sometimes not so hilarious twice-weekly podcast. On Wednesdays, we discuss the secret history of an abandoned, unexplored, haunted, or mysterious place from anywhere in the world. And on Fridays, we cover an amazing historical failure from any time in history. Ghost Town is 100% safe and legal. We guarantee it. It's also fun, spooky, and can contain a riot, a massacre, a murder, or an arch deluxe. I'm Rebecca Lieb. I'm Jason Horton. And and this this is Ghost Town. Town. And you can find Ghost Town wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Sasha. Hey, Courtney. What do you call a duck that's been bitten by a vampire? Maybe not bitten, but bitten, Courtney. Let's try that again. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Sasha. Hey, Courtney. What do you call a duck that's been bitten by... I'm saying bitten by... Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm gonna do it this time. Okay, you got it. I got it. No more B and V confusion. Hey, Sasha. Hey, Courtney. What do you call a duck that's been bitten by a vampire? Nope, I just said via. Yeah, God you said damn just, it. Just, just say bitten by a vampire. Bitten <laughs> by a vampire. Okay. Put on, I'm gonna, just put on like your most Transylvanian accent. Blah. Okay, here we go. I'm going to do it properly this time, and then I'll do this Transylvanian one if this doesn't work. Ready? Okay.